This is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Ron Eccles. Dr. Ron Eccles is a professional speaker, business coach, consultant, author, and trainer. Over the past 38 years, he has built multiple successful businesses in different fields. Over this time, he has gained vast experience in helping companies and business owners with building efficient business systems and processes, marketing, leadership development, building company culture, and performance optimization. He is married to Joanna Eccles and the father of five children, along with three grandchildren. He currently lives in Lakewood Ranch, Florida with his wife. They are both actively involved mentoring and serving at Bayside Community Church. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Eccles. Oh, Dr. Kimberly, thank you so much. Appreciate you being uh, having me on here. Yeah. So just so people can get to know you, um, I know you've done many things in your life. So why don't you just tell us your story, how you started out and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I um, my story began, let's say my professional career started in 1983 when I graduated from chiropractic college. I thought I would be a chiropractor for the rest of my life. It was a passion for me over the next 10 years. Uh, as I entered into private practice, I also was in constant study. So I was required to get 12 postgraduate hours a year. I was getting about 150 to 250 a year. I was just, I just was hungry for so much information. So I, over the period of 10 years, I had actually completed three diplomate programs. And in in my world, there's less than, way less than 1% that ever get one. So it's much, much smaller people who complete three. It doesn't make me smarter than everybody else. It just makes me hungrier than most other people. I'm, uh, I would say that I, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I'll outwork you mm-hmm. <laughs> most times. Um, and that journey ended, we'll say it transitioned uh, in 1993, four-ish, when I shattered my wrist in an accident. So I began teaching post-grad, post-grad orthopedics and neurology through several different chiropractic colleges which then led me to my next career, which was in a restaurant business, completely different because I had a patient and a longtime friend that owned restaurants. And I actually went, moved from Florida to Pennsylvania to buy his business. And I was in Pennsylvania for about 16 years. And in that world, about 10 years again, in the restaurant business, which is grueling work, Mm -hmm. um, but was very successful. And I sold my restaurants off and I entered into the world of real estate investing, which I still do some real estate investing, but out of real estate investing, I discovered my passion, my purpose. And that was to work with business owners, to help them optimize and grow successful businesses. And I do that a lot. I get a lot of my business by being a professional speaker. So stepping on stages nowadays with, since COVID has started, a lot more Zoom interviews, podcasts, stuff like that. So. Today, my journey is, at least for now, complete. Who knows where it'll go in the next number of years, but I love doing what I do. And everything from my past prepared me for what I do today. Exactly. And that, you know, that work ethic. So where did you actually grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. My form- the formidable years were spent in New Jersey up until I was 20. Now, I've been obviously, I've been out of New Jersey for the majority of my life. But I still go back. I still have roots there and still a lot of family. And I still have children in Pennsylvania where I lived for about 16 years. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Because uh, um, being from the Midwest, you know, we're known for being really hard workers. Like the work ethic is yeah. there. And just the way you described how you were just hungry for knowledge and you were just mastering your your, you know, what you were learning is, is just wonderful. Cause that's one of the things that I love to teach people in behavioral optometry is to not just find your purpose and passion, but live it and living. It means mastering it. So why don't you talk a little bit about mastering things and self-mastery? I love, I love the subject. Number one is that I, I share this from the stage a lot. And I usually set the audience up and I say, how many people remember grade school, middle school, high school, maybe in the beginning of college and everybody raised their hand and said, well, I want to tell you that I made the top half of the class. Now, because I'm a doctor, a lot of people assume I must've been really smart, but then I finish with this. I pause and then I say, possible. And I said, now, those of you who are like me, you'll get that in a few minutes. You see, somebody had to be in the bottom half of the class in order to make the top half of the class possible. Mm -hmm. My transformation occurred 
right around age 19, when I was in college and between two semesters working in roofing, and I was put on a roofing crew, which is by hot tar roofing, is brutal work. And I was the lowest man on the totem pole. And the boss was very insecure in who he was. So, and I was a college boy to him. And he hated anybody with, who wanted to, to better themselves. And he picked on me every single day. I mean, just mercilessly picked on me. And one day I snapped and I was ready to throw him off a roof. And that's I, I told my best friend who was my, my mentor, I said, when I go back, this is what I'm doing, man. Joe's going off the roof. <laughs> and he, he laughed and he talked me, talked me down. And by the time that afternoon settled in, when Joe started to pick on me again, I just snapped back at him and I said, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to complete. I'm going to become very successful. I'm going to come buy this company, come back and fire you. And everybody started clapping. <laughs> but it was that day. I have to, I look back now and as much as I despise this man, he was the catalyst that I needed to make that transformation. Cause I went, you know what? I can't work for people like this for the rest of my life. So I went back to college and went from being, let's say a CD student to an A student because I worked twice as hard as everyone else. And that's where my journey began, where I realized that if I just pushed myself to the boundaries of my limitations and just kept pushing past and then keep coming back, I would grow and grow and grow. And I just got better and better at learning how to master different subjects and different things in life. Um, so no matter what I take on, it has to be something I really care about learning because I real, realize this, I hire people for their best skill sets and I stay in my lane, but my lane is pretty wide. I love mastering content. And then here's the most important part, implementation. Of it. I always tell people, I said, if in business or in life, if you have a superpower, learning what your superpower is, is so critical. I said, I discovered my superpower. And my superpower came out of my journey. See, because I had to take complicated information, turn it into pictures, simplify it so that I could learn it and apply it. And that became one of my greatest superpowers in business for my clients who hire me. They don't have the $100,000 a year to spend on or the time to spend on the masterminds, the programs, the studying, the learning. I spend two to four hours every day learning from the very best. Then I simplify. Then I convert and help my clients get to success or results a lot faster. I do all the work. They don't have to. They just pay me a fraction of what they would have invested in time and money to get the same result. So I love mastering content. And here's one of the things I do know. I need to know enough to be able to successfully implement. I don't need to be the very best at it. I just need to be good enough when it comes to uh, certain things and help my clients get there. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's, it's never ending for me. I wake up very early in the morning and you know I spend a lot of time uh, preparing my mind and my heart for the day. So I'm two to four hours every day. I'm, I'm seeding good information inside this head. That is wonderful. And, you know, so many times people have all this information coming at them, even in life, business, mm -hmm. there's, you know, you can do it this way that you could do it this way that you could do it this way. It can mm -hmm. be so overwhelming. So how do you, if you're presented with all this different various information, how do you decide which things are the most important things to focus on? Yeah, Kimberly, that's probably one of the best questions a person could ever ask me, especially in the context of business consulting or business coaching or, or finding somebody in your life, whether it's for marital or, or any aspect of our life, when we want to get better at something, how do you know who is the right person? What is the right information to get? Typically, you're going to look at number one is the person's level of experience and their level of proficiency in a particular area you want to get better at. So I always tell people, I say, look, when it comes, and I'll just use me as an example because I know me better than anybody else, or I think I do. And so I look at it and go, when someone comes up and says, well, Ron, why should I hire you? And this happened recently with a conversation of a, a young woman graduated from medical school and she wants to do something very different um, that's down the line of some of the stuff that I do, create great content and coaching for people in the healthcare area. And so she was asking me questions about, well, 
you know, are you the person that does all your coaching? You do have other coaches. I said, well, right now I'm the only coach because I keep my tribe manageable. And here's the reason that I think it's better is because you get the actual founder, the person who's got all the experience, not somebody who can't make it in consulting or coaching in business, uh, who has to get hired by somebody to do because everybody who's builds out their business is really big. They need other coaches. Um, I don't ever want to have people that are not qualified or as good as I am right near me because I've got, let's say, let's see, I'm, I'll be 63 in another week and a half. So I started out professionally somewhere around age 23, 24 years old. So I'm close to 40 years of building businesses. And I've made lots of mistakes along the way. Again, I have years that almost 40 years of business experience and close to 63 years of life experience. And then, but that still doesn't make you qualify. You still have to have a degree of success in different areas that people are looking to hire you or come upon uh, your circle, become part of your tribe in order to gain that growth. So the question, the answer is this examine. Number one is the person's level of competency and success in the area you're looking to grow in. And the number of years and the type of experience they do have, because that all matters. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's so many people putting up their shingle and saying, I'm an expert, and they haven't even done what they said they're doing. They just went and researched and put together some course, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and they, they really can't speak on that. And, you know, you were talking about having 40 years of experience. And one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast and doing what I do is because there was an actual uh, neurochiropractor that I wanted to do work with because I do work within vision and brain. And mm-hmm. there's some people that are um, have a lot of problems. Like I had a lady come in and when she looked at you, when I looked up here, when I looked down here and she'd had three surgeries and no surgeon would t- touch her anymore. So she looked like Cookie Monster basically with her eyes. It was terrible, you know, and beautiful woman. And she came to me and um, said, you know, I need help. So I started working with her. But I said, you know, I think you should go see this other doctor too, so that he can do, he did these certain uh, adjustments where he had them put their eyes in certain positions. And he also had some other brain work that he did that kind of coincided with what I did. And so we were working together with this woman and believe it or not, she's straight today. She works really hard, but she has straight eyes just from the therapies we did with her. Um, but this particular gentleman was brilliant. He, um, you know, talking about neurology, I'm trained in neurology, but I probably could just understand 10% of what he was talking about. Most of the time (laughs) he started talking and I'd catch a little, I mean, that's how brilliant he was. Well, when he was in his early fifties, he started feeling bad. And a few months later he died. So when he died, all the brilliance he had left with him. It was gone. So all that, all that he could have given to people that he was giving to people day by day disappeared when he left. So my question for you is, you know, you know, all this and you have this tribe and they're depending on you, but um, are you teaching other people? How are you disseminating what you have so that when you leave us, yeah. There's still something there. Well, I, again, brilliant question. I use the term legacy because it's a very big word, buzzword nowadays. No matter what circles you're in, everybody's interested in, well, what's my legacy going to be? And f- the first thing is getting really clear about what does it mean? So I use a very simple definition. Legacy is not about what you leave to other people, but rather what you leave in other people. So for me, my life uh, first begins around my faith as a Christian. That's, that's the most important part of my life. But again, I don't come to work every day to, to actually preach the people, but rather come to help them grow their businesses and to be a, good, a great example and to be a wise counsel for them. So the, the, the aspect of really enter in, entering into that type of relationship really requires somebody that has the experience but is willing to build into other people what they have learned so that they can become more 
um, self-dependent. Now, one of the things you and I talked about before we jumped on the call was community, right? So my clients come to me, I help get them up and running. Uh, essentially, I, I look at it like this, it's like a building, whether you want to build a two-story edifice or you want a hundred-story skyscraper, the foundation must be solid. So the first thing I do in business, I help you build out a solid foundation. But I also believe in this, build a better you, you build a better business. So also look at their personal lives and help them discover where their gaps are so they can build a more solid foundation for life. Then when that happens, now it's really about accountability. Those little small tweaks, having somebody to come to you. So, you know, I have a decision to make between here and here. I'm having this problem here or here. What's your experience? What advice would you give me? And that's where the real difference is made. The woman who approached me as the medical doctor and she said, well, you know, what is the advantage? And I said, well, a lot of people will sell you courses and courses are okay. I, I, I own lots of courses. I go through courses. I spent an hour on a new course today learning. I also build courses, but here's the real great magic that you need when it comes to hiring someone. You can't be a, a one template fits all because if you are, then you really don't know how to, uh, to tailor your counsel, your wisdom, your advice for that person's particular business and their particular personality. So a great coach learns how to manage both of those and navigate somebody through a design program that really accelerates them and their business specifically. Because mm -hmm. every single person I've ever worked with is different. There are certain business principles that are relatively the same, but how they manifest and where the person's at, figuring out where they're at, where their gaps are, that takes a little bit of experience to do that. Exactly. And as you're talking about that, I was um, thinking about the word flexibility. Mm. So, you know, so many of us are taught to do something a certain way. You know, we, for, in our example, we go to school, we learn to be a doctor. They teach us to do this. They teach us how to do everything a certain way. But I have found that the people who do the best are the most flexible. Mm. They're able to see the different possibilities and then move like if there's a curvy road, they can curve. They're not, they're not going off the road when it curves yeah. too much. Yeah. So how do you teach your people to be flexible and to be open? Again, one of the books I recommend that people read, it's a very short but powerful read is called Who Moved My Cheese? It was written, um, Spencer, I think, um, Johnson. I, I can't remember the exact name, but the guy's just a brilliant writer. And essentially it's this, like every single day, everybody wakes up and they, and they, they go to their, their particular pattern to get the cheese. In other words, that cheese could be the relationship. It could be their health. It could be their finances. It could be their spiritual life, right? But then all of a sudden the cheese gets moved and they don't know what to do. They get paralyzed. You have to walk through a divorce or there's a major change and you lose your job or your business um, income dwindles because the market has shifted or changed. And most people don't know how to prepare themselves in advance to react to changes in life. I always ask the question, is it better to be proactive or reactive? And the answer for most people when they think about it is, well, it's better to be proactive. But I can promise you that about 95% of the people listening to us right now are spending most of their life in a reactive mode because they haven't consciously worked on how do I prepare myself for the changes that are coming, the changes that are absolutely here. No one would have predicted COVID. Mm -hmm. Three years ago, four years ago, nobody would even predicted we'd be in a situation. But the great companies, great leaders in business, I'll say, or in life, learned how to shift and adapt to what was going on. One of the, the sermons I heard, I thought was brilliant. He said, we are not socially isolated. We are only socially distanced. And that one comment could literally change anxiety levels and frustration levels and illness levels in people. If they just realize I'm not isolated, I can jump on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. I can actually talk to people from six feet away. I go, my, my wife and I would go out for walks because the gym was closed. Right now, I would do my walk, my first walk, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Nobody's out but me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then later on in the day, we go for a walk and we see neighbors we hadn't seen before. 
Hey, how you doing? And we'd stand maybe 20 feet away, stop and talk with people. We do not have to be like everyone else when things change. We can be those individuals who learn that there is a solution. It may take me a little bit, but I'm going to go and look to see where the cheese went to, and I'm going to go find it. Everyone's standing around picket signs mm -hmm. saying, they closed our factory. They closed the thing down. It's not fair. Just shipping our jobs overseas. And I'm like, did they pay you up until the time they closed? They didn't close because they just wanted to do something bad to you. If they paid you, then you're even. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, if you need a new, you need to upgrade your skill sets or upgrade what you need to do and go find another job. Go do it. Don't stand around with a picket sign in your hand. Just go find the cheese. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's about flexibility. I love that. Yeah. So um, what part does your faith um, take in all of this? And, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to share their faith when it comes to business because they think, you know, someone will judge them or whatever. So tell me how your faith plays into everything. Yeah, my faith is absolutely the most important part of me and who I am. You know, I do, as a Christian, I believe there is a way and a truth and a life that comes through Jesus Christ. But here's one of the things, and I have spoken in front of tens of thousands of people all throughout America, North America, even overseas, and people have come up to me who were devout Muslims or um, even atheists or people with that practice other faiths. And they, like, they just connect with me because I'm, it's never about disrespecting them. It's about who I honor in my life and what's important to me. And I always tell them, but we all agree on certain things like our core values of treating other people well, doing the right things. So there's an overlap that they really connect with. I mean, I've had Muslim men come up to me and said, surely you must have read the Quran. And I go, no, I've never read the Quran. But I bet you if we sat down and I, and I share with you uh, concepts from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you bring Sarah, we find a lot of common things that we both believe in to be true in how we live our lives and treat other people. So even though my faith is the most important part of my life, I'm super respectful that not everyone might agree with me, but that's okay. And that's why I don't get much pushback from people because it's never about coming at them, but about loving them where they're at. And all I do is share who I am and what I do. That's it. So my faith becomes the most important part I, from stages. I tell people, and essentially the way I introduce it, I say, look, um, I always talk to them about your daily disciplines. Your disciplines determine your destiny. Yeah. And, you know, some of my early disciplines, hey, I said, well, if it's okay if I share with you what I do to prepare myself to be proactive in life. And they say, yeah. I said, well, every morning when I wake up before I get out of bed, I begin my prayer life. I begin praying and worshiping God because that's important to me that I set my heart in the right direction before I even step on the ground. Then when I get up, I have my little routine of putting on my, I got a health drink that I drink in the morning that's warm. And I sit down and I've prepared and I, I do my devotionals in the morning and my Bible study, because that's the first part for me. It's about the first fruit of my day. I want to give to God. And then from there, I go into my work and then I leave my work for a bit. I go to the gym and work on my body. So I'm working on my spiritual life first. I'm working on my business and my mindset second, and then I'm working on my body and my health. And then I come back and I'm spend time with my wife, my relationships. So I'm covering what I call my core four, my faith or my spiritual life, my relationships, my health, and my finances. Those are the core four buckets that I'm constantly coaching in. Now I, I share with people and nobody gets offended. Or has, no one's ever told me they've been offended because I've shared my story with them and how I just now... If that's not what's important to you, fantastic. I've had clients that are not Christians, that are atheists or agnostics, but they love me and I love them because I'm there to provide the best service and advice that I can for them. Exactly. And when we're talking about that, you know, I know um, based on my Christian faith, that's how I make decisions. So talk about ethics and business and how to make those decisions that you're not going to regret later. Oh man, you just brought up, I can give you an exact example that happened two days ago. I sat down with a gentleman who is, um, he brought me to the table to a company he was with, which some with, or their family related. Right. And I began working with this company this company hired me to be, you know, like a full-time consultant for them. And I can only take on two companies like that a year and I have that one. And I've had another one I've been with for a while. But then he decided very shortly after that, 
with a family member that they weren't going to be able to really work together. So he separated. Now, he happens to live near, near me. The other company is in another state. So he and I met the other day because he wants me to work with his company as well. He's not worried about the conflict. So we were sitting down and chatting about things. And he was talking about his plans on how to separate from this family member because right now they're still tied together in a certain way. And they're eventually going to go completely in separate directions. And one of the ways he had intended on doing it, because he was asking me for advice, was the wrong way. And here's what I told him. I said, you're a Christian. And he is because he goes to my church. And I said to him, so you always have to do the right thing. Even if it costs you financially, you must do the right thing. God will honor you and bless you for it. Sometimes it's difficult. I said, but you have to remember that you have to, he's your family member and you, you must place that and be honorable and upfront, even if it causes conflict. But as long as you're upfront and say, here's where I want to go, here's what I'm going to do. And I want to do it the right way and propose a right solution. Then it's his choice, whether he wants to, to play unfair or do things that are wrong or take offense, but you must do it the right way. The first way he was proposing was kind of like almost like, I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm, I'm gone. You know, then, then it's going to create a war. And I said, that's not the way you want to do it. So your core values become, and I tell every single company I work with, we must establish your core values because you will hire, fire, promote, reward, and review based upon your core company core values. Somebody could have the exact perfect skill sets that you need for the job. In other words, the right seat and the person has the right skill sets, but they don't fit your company core values. I don't care how desperate you are. You do not hire them. You get rid of that person as quickly as possible because they will create a cancer inside your company. They must fit your core values. As a Christian, the core values come from biblical uh, mandates, right? How do we treat other people? And how do we approach things? I mean, I'm literally... <laughs> I, I, I'm being really uh, vulnerable this morning. And one of the groups that I belong to on Wednesdays, we meet online, small group of pastors and very uh, influential people in the Christian world. And we're, and we're going through a discipleship program and talking about things. And the guy who's running it uh, put out a challenge the other day. And I, cause I've been very busy. I missed the last couple weeks because I was traveling and I was working with companies and he said, if you choose to accept this, it's kind of like the Mission Impossible thing, right? If you choose to accept this challenge, Ron, and I hope you do, he said, I want you to think about extending mercy to someone who needs mercy from you. And it was like, oh, man, you had to hit me with that challenge now because there's a guy I, I renovated my house starting in May uh, this year. I hired a guy, paid him a lot of money. And what should have taken six weeks max took five months and he never completed it. And I'll just give you an example. I had to hire somebody complete and com completely repaint the inside of my house that I paid him for. So I had prepared the documents to sue him, to go to court, sue him and get you know, at least $6,000, $6,500 back. And I just hadn't gotten around to it. But every time someone brings up my, my house, I'm like, you know, my, that internal struggle, you know, that I'll call it my Jersey boy. <laughs> wants to come out, wants to go, I want to punch the guy in the face. And that's not a, obviously a very Christian thing. So I'm being very transparent. I still have those emotions. And I was getting ready to literally this week, it was this one day this week, I had to go and do that. And then when he issued that challenge, God began to stir my heart and say, let go of it. Trust me. Let go of it. And let me prove that I'll just reward you and I'll bless you. I'll take care of anybody who does you wrong. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not here to smite people. And I had to let go of that. So I made the commitment that day that I'm going to extend mercy. Mercy is about giving somebody a gift they didn't deserve. So his gift to me is not getting sued because he certainly, I think he'll implode in business because he just, he's not a bad person. He's just incompetent and can't keep his word. Promise you things, he can't do it. But for me, my the answer to your question was, I had to respond to a challenge in my life to, to operate inside of a core set of principles of learning how to forgive somebody, even though they didn't deserve it business-wise, I had to operate in that direction. Now, I'm not saying that's a carte blanche thing. Anybody who just does you wrong, you don't, you know, 
use the legal system to to rectify it. That's not not the point. Somebody beats you up, and you know, you're. I'll give an example. I want to be very very respectful. Let's say because uh, I've I've actually helped support uh, uh, battered women's shelters, right? So if a woman's being physically abused by a husband or something like that, you don't stay. You're <laughs> saying we well, just forgive them. It's okay. You need to let go and forgive, but you need to separate yourself, and not continue to be abused. Forgiveness is about is about you, right? It it releases you from the consequences of bitterness and and um, resentment, which is a really good thing. So I had, a, in fact, I'm processing it right now. I'm letting go of some of the anger, even though I I operated to make the decision not to sue him, based upon principles. And my wife asked me to do this a while ago, <laughs> and it was just it, it just took the right timing for me to go. Okay, I'm ready, getting ready to do it. And somebody comes along and goes which is not an accident to me. It was a divine appointment, whereas God's going, okay, got your attention now. Calm down a little bit. Let it go. Move on. Long answer to a great question. But congratulations for doing that. And um, good luck as you're working through that process. I'm processing the emotional portion of it now. So the act of obedience, and here's what most people really make a big mistake. If I get one extra piece of value for people, is act obediently to what you know is right first. Don't wait for the emotions to drive you to do that. Do the right thing and let the emotions change and process that over time. It's a best pattern, best way to do it. It works out so much better. Yeah. If I waited, because <laughs> I've done this in the past, I've been really good at this. I waited till my emotions changed. There was a lot of damage done along the way to me and the other person. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I heard something you said about keeping your word to yourself and to others. Mm. How important is that? Yeah. Um, it is the one of, it's about character, right? Your character is always revealed through more or less the difficult things in life rather than the easy things in life. It's easy for people to be nice, kind, caring, compassionate when things are going well. But when things get tough, that's when you see real character come out. And in development of character, time honoring and you're honoring your word are critical components. And I'll, I'll step into the business world again. They're, they are so key to your core values. It's, it's, it's super important that when you say you're going to do something, you do it no matter what. And if for any reason, and it happens to all of us, you don't do it, you can't do it, you go back and you apologize and you ask for forgiveness or you ask to be released from that commitment if it's not possible for you to do it. But you have to own it. I love Jocko Wilnick's book called Extreme Ownership. And you know, even though he's a Navy SEAL, my background, there's a lot of things to be impressed about. It's really about owning your decisions, owning your honor, owning your word. And you just brought out one of the key things. S do when you say something, absolutely do it. I was talking about this last night at a we were at a Christmas gathering for my wife. My wife's involved in big, very involved in women's leadership in our church, and there's like I want to say it's like 300 women's groups. And so the coaches were all together to get together once a month, and this time the men were invited. And it was so key when, when I hear people talking about different things, and the subject came up about keeping your word to other people when you do something. And especially as parents, because that's the area, if I can look back in my life and say, if I could be critical about myself, I, I would have to examine, I think I did a pretty good job of keeping my word to my children. But if there's any area that I could go back and and figure out, if I could go back and redo things again, man, I'd love to go back and make sure I kept my word to my children. So those are, and I have grandchildren now, so this is my second chance at making sure I get it really right. And if I say, hey, I'm taking you here, or I'm going to do this with you, or I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure, and I encourage their parents to make sure they do the same thing. But, you know, they're like, they're in the weeds right now with kids. So it's, it's not always easy. That's but keeping your, word, keeping your word in business and in life is so important. Yeah, and I was thinking about kids, you know, they can be really re relentless. I mean, mm -hmm. and I... I I always try to be really careful not to say, yes, I will. I have to say, we'll see, maybe, because I mean, they will ask you 10 times in a row, 
can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And you're not sure if you can do it or not. You're not sure if you can commit to that, but they do not stop asking. Yep. They are relentless. They are relentless. So and, and here's the key. Sometimes you'll say, we might be able to do that. And then in their minds, they hear, oh, we're doing that. Uh-huh, <laughs> They'll come back and beat you. You said we we're going to do this. I know I didn't. Uh-huh, exactly. So let's talk about asking in business. So many of us don't have the things we need because we don't ask for it. So how do you appropriately ask for the things that you need from other business people, from your clients? You got to give me a little bit more direction here because there's two different areas I'm hearing. One is I, when asking your clients for something is different than asking somebody else to help you with your business. So I'll, I'll separate them if I, if I got the question right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we need help, number one is you need to, first of all, become aware of what help you need. And there's like, I call it the four stages of learning, right? The first one is called um, unconsciously incompetent. I don't know what I don't know. Second phase is once I realize what I don't know, I am now consciously incompetent, right? That's where most business owners or most people are at when you ask this question. So how do I go from, I don't have the ability or knowledge or skill sets in an area, but I'm aware that I don't have it. Now what's the next phase? The next phase is I need to become consciously competent. We have to think about it. And that's where you get help. That's where you buy a book, get a course, hire a coach, uh, go to the expert, get counseling, whatever it is you need, that's where you move into it. Now, here's the key. Most people make this big mistake. They're too cheap with themselves. And I have to say that because one thing I was really good at was I invested in my education and I invested in me throughout my entire adult life. I have spent tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching, mentoring, um, courses. stuff. Now I have to say, I have bought courses. I haven't gone through yet. Not many. And I have to be careful about how many stuff I buy because I get overloaded because I want to learn everything. And I have to realize, okay, if I'm buying this, I'm giving this to uh, somebody I'm hiring. I have a virtual assistant. I'm going to give this to them. They're going to learn it. And then they're going to implement it for me. So I've gotten much better at learning how to leverage other people's talents, skills, and abilities, because now I'm in a better you know, financial situation in my life where I can hire people and do these things. I hire people um, like if I need to, you know, to, to get my, my optics and my brain aligned, I hire somebody like you because that's your expertise. I don't want to become you. You know, I've got a background in neurology, orthopedics, but I don't have your specialized knowledge in what you do. And it's much faster and easier for me to pay someone else that has spent all the education, all the time, the, the tens of thousands of hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars to get there. I, and and here, here's, here's where I'm going to encourage people. Hire people, invest in yourself, invest in your growth, in your training. You need something you recognize, go talk to somebody. Like, I give an example. One of the things that I do, and I've learned is I call this the Mrs. Fields approach. A number of years ago, when I entered into the world of owning restaurants, I was in pizza restaurants. And yes, there are pizza expos every year. And I used to go to the big one at first in Las Vegas, and then they expanded to Chicago and Atlanta. And I went to all, I mean, in New Jersey, and I would go to all of them. But I remember one of the big ones I went to in the beginning was in Las Vegas. And they, they had to pay extra money to go to these special breakfasts where they had these big speakers come in. One was Debbie Fields. She was the owner and founder of Mrs. Fields Cookies. Now, I expected an old kind of short, heavyset lady with you know, a bun in her hair, a frumpy lady to come out. This lady was beautiful. Like, I want to say in her 40s, statuesque, dressed to the nines. And such a class act and a great speaker. I became an instant fan of Debbie Fields. I ate a few of her cookies before that time too. So I was a, I was a, I was a customer. But when she tells her story, and if you, if you read her book, um, you hear about how she started her company. She, her husband was tired of her wanting to open up her own cookie store because everyone kept telling her how great her cookies were. And when she opened it up, it was kind of off the beaten walkway path. And she just sat around waiting for people to come in, expecting everybody's going to come into your business, right? Mm-hmm. And nothing, like throughout most of the morning and then into the early afternoon, it was nothing. Finally, she got frustrated. She took a tray, put some of her cookies on it, cut them in pieces, and she went out to the local walkway where people were going back and forth. And she said, hey, would you like to try a piece of my cookies? I make cookies. And people would then take a taste and go, oh, these are really good. 
where can I get more? And she goes, well, you go right down the street there and you go into my store. And that afternoon she began to sell. And she sold, she sold a small amount compared to eventually she sold her company for millions and millions of dollars. But I never forgot that principle. And it was give people a taste of what you do without charging them for it. And then if they like your product, they'll come back for more. That's why when I have, and I have funnels that I have to, to bring people into my world as a business consultant. And I always say, if you, if you want to continue this conversation, here's a link, set up a 30 minute free complimentary consultation with me, but don't waste my time. If you're not interested in coaching, don't, don't, don't jump on it. It's valuable time for me. For a person to hire me for one hour is $750. So if you go half of that, it's about 375 for that half hour. So don't waste my time. I'm more than glad to give you that time. And if you decide at the end, hey, we're not going to be a good fit. And I decide we're not going to be a good fit. No problem. But give people a taste of what you do first without having to worry about, do I charge for every single, like I give, I put on events, like on LinkedIn right now, I'm running events every uh, three to four weeks. I'm running a free 30 minute session. And as a result of that, I give gifts away to bring people in. Why? Because if I give people something of value, I attract them in and they come and hear me. Now I have an opportunity. They've tasted what I have and they'll say, I really like this. I want to explore this. Or, hey, I don't like this and I'm, I'm done. Just give me my free gift. And I'm okay with either one. Cool. Wow. That was a lot. Thank you so much. For I'm not sure I answered all the questions, but I, you know, yeah. you open up that door, I run through. <laughs> it was awesome. So I was remembering about your, you know, your, what you did in the morning and your day and how you got yourself ready in those four buckets. Talk about commitment. A lot of times people think they're committed, but I don't think they really are. Yeah. I love this. One, one of the things I'm a big fan of are powerful quotes because quotes are words and words are powerful, right? If we're like, and here's, here's the setup for it, right? So if you're listening to me out there right now, I want you to listen very carefully because here's how powerful words are. Imagine if a parent started talking to a two-year-old child and started screaming and yelling at them every day and telling them they were worthless. They were no good. Nobody would love them. They're horrible. They're ugly. And they're stupid. Every single day till the child was 18, would that child most likely turn out to be a blessing to society or a train wreck? And everyone says probably a train wreck, but why? They're just words because words have power. And when we speak words, we should be very careful about the power of the words that we do speak. So when it comes to, and, and what was the question again? Because I going off track for a second. They're committed, but they're not. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I'm at an event one day. And again, I've been collecting these powerful quotes. from, and I, and, and I have on my phone, I keep a note section for quotes. And I just keep putting quotes down. Because I'll eventually turn it into a course, turn it into a subject in the course, turn it into a part of a book. And this lady turned around this big event I went to one time because we I was talking about quotes. And she said this one thing to me. She said, oh, you'll love this one if you like quotes. She goes, interested people do what it takes. Committed, I'm sorry, interested people do what's convenient. Committed people do whatever it takes. And I have created talks from the stage. I put it inside of books and I've put it in courses before. Because the difference, and here's how I set my audiences up. So I'll set you guys up. This. How many people are interested in losing weight and getting in better shape? Now, you're, we're getting close to the end of, uh, well, I don't know when, when this will be aired, right? But um, let's just say that you want to get in better shape. Like, how many people are interested? And everybody raises their hand, right? Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, who's interested in having deeper, loving relationships in their life? And again, everybody raises their hand. And um, I said, how, how many people are interested in having financial freedom, having a better financial profile, more profit in your life? Raise your hand. Everybody raising their hand. I said, okay, who wants to have a more powerful spiritual walk where what you believe and how you behave are more congruent with each other? Raise your hand. And everyone's hand. I mean, there's a hand in a place that isn't raised. And I said, now, here's the bad news. Most likely, none of you will get any of it. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, here's why. Because interested people do it's convenient and they rarely ever get the results. How many people have been interested in losing weight and you lost some weight? And everybody raised their hand. Who found it again? And they all raised their hand again, laughing. Oh, it, was no. like, right? it, it, it just happens, right? Because people aren't committed. I said, so here's what will happen. The moment you decide to get committed to anything, everything changes because committed people do what it takes. 
I was speaking to a high group of mastermind students. Most of them were dentists. Some were high-end real estate investors. And one guy who happened to be the first certified Zig Ziglar coach said to me, he goes, Ron, he goes, how do I know when I'm committed? It was a great question. And no one had ever asked that question to me before. And by the grace of God, I had the answer instantly, which I, you know, it's, I'm not that smart. It had to be God. I looked at him and I said, when you wake up every day and you will do what you need to do, whether you feel like doing it or not, you're committed. We live in a culture today in a society today where people are driven by their emotions. I don't feel like it. I do feel like it. And people will default to the easiest road or to default to the thing that gives them the most pleasure. And building a life of success is not always about just getting instant gratification, having pleasure at that moment. And matter of fact, I'm one of those weird people. I went, when I went to dinner last night, people said to me, um, you know, this, at this house, they had all kinds of great food and stuff. And they said, oh, go ahead and, you know, get in line, get food. I said, no, I'm not eating. They said, why? I said, my last meal is between three and four o'clock every day. And they're like, wow, that's like incredible. I said, I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I just was laughing it off. And they said, oh, I can't do that. And I said, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly disciplined about certain things like that. And I said, as a matter of fact, it's really this weird. I'm the guy that goes on vacation and eats healthier than when he was at home. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not eating any desserts. I'm not n- nibbling on the bread, which I normally stay away from anyhow, but I'm not, I don't let myself go because I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. And I typically end my, my meal at a certain time of the day. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. It just happens to be really good at things like that. So, you know, being committed is the most important characteristics. Now, here's one of the keys that that will help you let yourself off the hook. Commitment is a process. So you don't need to sit there and say, well, how do I get committed? Because it's not like turning a light switch on. And it's not. So it's rather saying, I'm, I'm in a process of becoming committed to loving my wife or loving my husband in a way that really reflects how I really care about them, or I'm in a process of becoming a better parent in this way. So when you're in, when you're in a, when you say to your, you know, in your words, in your brain, I'm in the process of, and you keep repeating that you're going to get progressively better at something. But if you turn around, you look in the mirror one day and you just go, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. And nowadays you'd have to be a multimillionaire right? <laughs> because with inflation going the way it is, you need about 20 million. But anyhow, your, your, your brain is looking back at you going, that's a lot of crap, man. I don't know how much is in your account. You're full of crap. And see, here's the thing. But if you said, I'm in the process of becoming financially free, I'm in the process of changing the game. Your brain can't argue with you. Your brain says, yeah, we're in the process of doing it. And it just keeps elevating your game. Commitment is the real key to getting change in life. You got to move from being interested moving to being committed yeah i love that distinction so thank you for that you're welcome yeah so um you've been talking about your courses different things at this point right now i'd like for you to tell people you know what services you have available you have a book at least one book so why don't you tell us you know what things are available for us right now and where do we go to find that Sure. Um, well, there's number, number one is that I am going to be running a, um, a special on this. I haven't actually launched the funnel yet, but this book is, I've got to say, and, and I, I, I say this very humbly, after I wrote the book, I, I paid editors to go through it, make sure it was grammatically correct, because again, I'm really good at speaking. Writing is not my forte. But when I look back and I finally read through this the second and third time, I'm like, wow, this book is really good. And I say that very humbly because I have to look at, I have to give God the credit because it was during COVID that I took the time and said, okay, I'm going to cut back on my one-on-one coaching clients. And I'm going to really spend time writing that book I've been putting off for so many years. And I wrote this book and this book is divided into three sections, the, the uh, fuel, the framework, and the fire. And I designed it like that. And it was, and it's a whole story. And I tell the story in there. But essentially, the fuel is for the Christian is your de- daily dependency on the Holy Spirit to really navigate you through and help you stay on track according to your purpose. I love this quote from uh, Francis Chan. He was a pastor. He led one of the biggest mega churches in the United States in San Francisco area. And he just felt like the church has isolated me. I'm, I, I'm a pastor, but I'm not in touch with the people in their, in their homes and on the streets. So he resigned from the church with no scandals 
and he went back to street ministry, to preaching on the street and, and just loving on people. And now the last I heard, and I, I got a chance, an opportunity to meet him, speak with him at an event. And he was, he made the commitment that event that he's moving his family to uh, Myanmar, which is former Burma, because the communists left. And now there were uh, really powerful, strong Christian men and women in charge of the government. They were trying to, because the country was devastated by communism. So Francis Chan says this, he says, our greatest fear is not that we would fail, but rather that we would succeed at things that don't matter. So that is critical for me, making sure that myself, my clients and everyone, that they're working on things that really matter, purpose, being driven by that purpose. So when I wrote the book, I wanted to make sure that that, that was the first section of my book, making sure your life is on purpose. The second phase of the book is the structure. The same thing that my clients pay me $10,000 to come out to their business for two days and work with them. That same seven-step system is inside of there. Now, again, you got to read it, go through it, and then you got to either apply it or call me up and I'll help you with it. Then the last phase is about the, it's, and, it's, and the, the middle part is called the framework, right? And, and I give you an analogy of F-18 Super Hornet, the fuel if it's on an aircraft carrier, it's designed to do something, but it has no fuel in it, it ain't going anywhere. So that's the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second part is the framework. Well, you can have all the parts there, but if not put together in the right order and properly and tighten up, you don't fly right. Mm -hmm. And then the last part is the pilot, right? Are you personally optimized? And if you're not personally optimized, like imagine, imagine a pilot that needs to go out on a, a mission to intercept uh, approaching aircraft that are enemy that could destroy the ship if that pilot's hung over going through a really bad situation in life and is mentally distracted or is just tired of fatigue because they stayed up too late. An optimized pilot is required in that incredible machine to make it really effective at what it was designed to do. The same principle is here. So I have seven key personal disciplines that can optimize your life. So again, the book, here's, here's, my, here's my big pitch. You want to wait, wait a minute. Tell us the name of the book because we're on video, <laughs> but I have a okay. podcast on 10 different things. So. The Unstoppable Christian Business, Seven Steps to Your Seven-Figure Business with Purpose, Passion, and Profit. Now, the words purpose, passion, and profit are written in that order for a reason. When you start with purpose and you stay on your purpose, and then you have passion to serve the people that you were called to serve, profit is always the result. You've got to have all those things in that right order. Um, this book is uh, an absolute great book. If you're not a Christian out there, you want to read the middle, the, the middle part and the last part. If you don't want the Christian part, you skip the first part. But I would suggest you read it anyhow. It's pretty fun. And you can just massively get a great start uh, to your business. You can relaunch your business by reading this book. And one of the things I'm doing right now is that you go on Amazon and buy this book for about $20. But for five more dollars, I'm going to be launching a new funnel where it's $24.95. If you live in the continental U.S., this order is only good for the continental U.S. because of shipping. I will ship it to you for free. I will sign it for you, but I'll also gift you 15, just a little bit under $1,500 in bonuses, which makes it a steal. One of the things that are, are a big secret to billionaires and millionaires is they don't read. Like you see all the books behind me? People say, you, I bet you read all those books. I go, yeah, your mind. I'm a slow reader, but I listen to audio books at, at 1.7 speed, which my wife thinks they sound like the chipmunks. And I listen and consume audio books all the time. I read every day, but I'm much slower at it. But here's what the key is. The ultra successful people that have big businesses or successful lives, they don't have time to read for hours and hours a day. So what do they do? They get book summaries, either written audio or visual, you know, video. And I'm giving everybody who buys this book, pays $24.95, I will ship it to them for free and I will give them a one-year subscription to a my favorite book summary program where the, you can go through a great personal development, leadership, um, culture, or any sort of business content that you can imagine is in this library. And there's the audio, there's the written portion, and then typically there's a video associated with it in about 15, 12 to 15 minutes. So you can get all the great content of a book and not have to spend the eight to 12 hours listening to the book, or I don't know how long it takes you to read the book. That is my gift for 
purchasing my book at $24.95, but it, there's more. <laughs> I love saying that because it reminds me, it dates me back to the Ronco era. Mm-hmm. And what I've decided to do is beginning in December, I'm launching my, my private monthly micro mastermind. And those people get an opportunity to join it. There's a limited number of people I can take in there, but the, that's about 1,195 uh, value. That's what it would cost if you joined it. And that would be the ongoing cost of it, but it's for the first year, it's absolutely free. So it's just a little bit under $1,500 worth of gifts, absolutely free for getting the book. So it's a no, it's a no brainer situation. So I don't know if you'll be able to put up my email address, but essentially what I'll do is I'll give you a way to contact me. You just contact me and say, I'd love to get your special offer. I heard on Dr. Kimberly's um, podcast. It's uh, just put down the to 12, You've got to be in the continental U S and give me your information, you know, your address and phone number and email address so I can get back to you. And you're going to send it to drronecles at gmail.com. That's D-R-R-O-N-E-C-C-L-E-S. In fact, I'll put that up there so you can see the name. Eccles at gmail.com. No spaces in between it. Eccles at gmail.com. You send me a note there. And, um, and here, I'll give you my phone number. In the event for any reason, you don't hear back from me. You don't get an email right back from me because I get very, very busy. Text me. on my, my I only have one number, 484 484- Five one five four zero four zero four eight four five one five four zero four zero. I just want to make sure people have a way of getting in touch with me and getting a special uh, offer before I have the funnel built. You can get it right away, and I'll ship it out to you. Remember, you got to be in the continental U.S. That means no Hawaii, no Alaska. Love you guys, but the shipping costs are a lot extra. If you want to pay the extra shipping costs, I'll do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. So now I have a personal question for you. Mm-hmm. What gives you the most happiness in your life? Uh, my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of learning information. But here's the thing that I, I had this conversation yesterday and this guy gave me this great metaphor and I said, I'm borrowing that and using it from now on. So this is the first opportunity that I get to use it. He said, and, and, and it goes into Christian life, right? He said, there's the university and then there's the trade school. He goes, Jesus, when he came, he saw all these Pharisees, all these Sadducees, all these religious Jewish men who were masters of understanding the law and all the nuances and all the teachings of the rabbis, but they were terrible at living a life, the one that God called them to live, of really putting it into to application, loving other people, serving other people. So Jesus was more about, hey, let me help you become a member of the trade school. Let's put God's principles into work in your life so that you can manifest and do the will of God. I love that analogy because I'm, I'm, I love university stuff, right? I'm a, I'm a, I just love, but I make a living doing that because I take all this information, condense it, make it easy to implement so you can get fast results. That's what my clients pay me for. But for the most people out there, when you ask the question, what makes you really happy? For me, in this phase of my life, it's about making an impact, knowing that I'm helping people transform their lives for something better. For me, because I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that, there's a, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's about helping people to know the, his love and to enter into a relationship with him so we can spend eternity together. That's what makes me happy. Oh, thank you so much. And, and being around my grandchildren, that, that also makes me happy too. Well, of course, <laughs> I know what that feels like. So, but and my wife, I better say my wife, because she actually is my joy, my love of my life. In fact, here's commitment. I always, I do this in audiences. How many people say you gave your wife the finger and she loves you for it? <laughs> this is my wife's name tattooed on my, it's the only tattoo I have in my body. Uh-huh. It's my wife's name. I love instead that. Of a, instead of a wedding ring, I've got my wife's name across there. There's no out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for all the wisdom you've shared, just so much value. So thank you so much. And I just have one more question for you before we complete. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Hmm. Let me see. Number one is you got to get committed. And and, and I'll, I'll say this. You can't hit a target you can't see. If I blindfolded you, walked you into the middle of a field, 
spun you around 10 or 15 times, put a bow and arrow in your hand, told you to put the arrow on the bow, pull it back and hit a target 200 feet away. Do you think you could hit it? And most people will know. I said, why? Because I don't know where it's at. I said, before you can get in life, anything, you have to know what it is you want. So the first thing is about getting clear about what you want. The second thing is getting committed to make it happen. And then the third thing is to make sure that it matters. Francis Chan's comments, right? To make sure that what you do is something that will have an eternal benefit and, and, and reward in some sort of way. It's, it's the old sage saying that it, a person can climb the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize their ladder was against the wrong building. You don't want to be that person. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Eccles. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it.